So I have a devastating admission to make. Oh, God. Billie Eilish's new album. You don't like it? I don't know if I like it. Are you all right? I don't know if I'm okay. Oh, babe. So when an artist I really love releases a new album, I have a process. Okay. (laughs) Of course you do. The first thing I do is I listen to the album in the order that it was intended to be listened to. So generally speaking, I set my Spotify to random Mm -hmm. because Hubs has all these brilliant mixed albums that he's made up and I like to put them on random and just see what pops up and shake up the order. But when Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish, for example, drops an album, I actively listen to the whole album in the order because I find that their choice of ordering songs in a particular sequence, there's a lot of considered... It's no accident. It's no accident. There's yeah. a lot of considered thought yeah. that goes into that. Of course. And so I'm always fascinated to go, ooh, why is this track five? And I've got this weird theory that track five is always generally the best track on okay. every album. Anyway, so of course Billie Eilish dropped a new album and as a super fan, yep. <laughs> I went straight to it and listened to it in the order. But then what I do is for a few days, I let it play in the background while I'm working or... I can't believe how much you've thought about this. I feel like musicians would appreciate me as a fan yep. because of my process. It's such a I... shame they'll never know <laughs> how hard you work for them. I really appreciate the time, effort and work they've put into an album, okay? Yeah, it's the least you can do to have a process to listen to it. <laughs> So I've been listening to Billie Eilish's album now for over a week as background fodder. Yep. So while I'm working, while I'm doing laundry or house chores, I just have it on in the BG. Mm-hmm. I just, it's not grabbing me. Is it one of those ones that you'll be like, yeah, it's fine. And then one day it's like, I am deep in this. I feel like I should have landed on that thought by now. Right. So with her first album, it took me like three days of it playing in the background where I was like, this track and this is a banger and this is another banger. So this is her second album. It is. The difficult second album. The difficult second album. Oh, well, maybe you just have to wait for the third album. Is there not one track? There are three tracks. Okay. No, no, no. Three tracks for me is not good enough. Oh, you want a solid seven. I want a solid majority. How many tracks are there? It's quite a big album. There's 16 tracks. Whoa. Only three are hitting. Mm. And I'll tell you what those three are. Happier Than Ever. Mm-hmm. That's a zinger. Okay. Of course, she would have had a number of producers listen to the whole album to land on the fact that this needs to be the single that you lead with. Lost Cause is another good one. Now, I know she dropped this as an EP. It's excellent. It's on the album. Makes sense. Billy Bossanova. Rebs is laughing at me. Why are you chuckling? It's the earnestness <laughs> what? with which you're dissecting this. <laughs> I just love it. I just enjoy it. I enjoy watching you earnestly dissect your own experience of this Billy <laughs> Eilish album. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> okay. Olivia Rodrigo's album caught me off guard. Yeah. Okay, because I thought she was for Gen Z. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll give this chick a go. I heard the Shameless podcast talk about her and I thought, yeah, they're millennials. I need to like get with the times and see what all the cool kids are listening to. I've never heard of Olivia Rodrigo. And I played her album in order in my system and process. Had it on in the BG for a few days. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if I had judged her album on the first three songs, I would have been out. But every song after track three is a banger. Favourite Crimes, amazing. Favourite Crimes, if you haven't listened to Olivia Rodrigo's Favourite Crimes, I introduced it to Revs and she... Repeat. Yeah, it's our favourite song at the moment. We love to blast it. All the things I did Just so I could call you mine. Amazing. The build. 
the build. If anyone wants some really good work music, check out Olivia Rodrigo's Driver's License, Deja Vu, and Favourite Crime. Those three songs, they'll get you through the day. So what are we going to do about your Billie Eilish? Are you over it now? Well, do I persevere? Do I give it another week? I feel no one can answer this for you. No, I've come on the potty (laughs) seeking... Give it another week. I think you're super fan enough to give her... If you're going to give her a process, you can give her seven more days of your BG. (laughs) You know Taylor Swift's Folklore and Evermore album? I've heard of them. What? (laughs) Okay, you need to give those albums the process that I give (sighs) all my favourite. There is so much genius going on. And those albums gripped me yep. from woe to go. Go to woe. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you okay? I've had coffee, so I'm probably not. Yeah. I've done my poo, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How good is a catering offload? A catering offload! I feel lighter. Yes. And yes. brighter. And happier. <laughs> it's all good. I'm happier than ever. Is that Billie Eilish? It's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Highly right. recommend. Well, look, three new songs in your rotation is not a lose. Hey, you know what? That's a positive rest. Yeah. I'm a bit stale on my playlists at the moment and I need to shake it up a bit. Give those three tracks a go. All right, I'll give them a go. Should we get into the potty? Let's do it. We have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. You just did the Enneagram test. Yep. So, dear listeners, you guys really enjoyed the game we played last week in the woods. I think our dear listeners are sharp, intuitive, evolving people who are into self-reflection and analysis. I think you're right. Um, We've had some great slide-ins about what animals you saw. My favourite was... I saw two mangy possums and I'm not going to overthink it. (laughs) I love it. Don't overthink it. Sounds like a good time. Oh, God, I love our DLs. Thank you for sharing with us what your animals were and trying to get me to unpack what that means. (laughs) I'm no expert. I can't tell you what it means to be a monkey. (laughs) I just wanted to be the facilitator of the game. You did well. You did well. You don't have to be all things to all people, Jim. (laughs) Thanks, therapist. Thank you. Our girlfriend was like, um, I'm a moose. (laughs) I know. And she... She was upset about being a moose. I was like, moose-sai? Mooses? What is the plural of moose? Mooses. I don't know why. I want to say moose-sai. Or mice. Or mice. Mice. (laughs) Look at this collection of mice. No, you mean mooses. Um, She was upset about being a moose. And I think mooses. (laughs) I don't know why I can't say it. Maybe it's not right. I feel like we need to do a whole episode on collective nouns because collective nouns are my most favourite things in the world. And then coming up with collective nouns. The best one is owls. A parliament of owls. No, it is. My favourite is flamingos. What are they? A stand. Yeah. A stand of flamingos. Yeah, good. Obviously murder of crows. Oh, there's so many. We need to save this for another episode. What's the collective noun for anti vaxxers? You're going to keep going. (laughs) What's the collective noun for anti vaxxers? I know what you would say. Cunts. Yeah. A cunt of anti... No, we can't say the C word. We can't say anti-vaxxer and the C word in one episode. The whole internet will just burst into flames. For anyone who had little ears around, SARS. <laughs> we should chuck a warning at the top. Maybe. We put the explicit warning on every episode and yeah. yet people still are like, oh, you guys swear too much. I'm like, well, put your AirPods in. What are you doing? Anyway, Enneagram. Yep. Yeah, so a lot of DLs slid in and said, you guys have to do the Enneagrams. 
What I loved is that people who are passionate about dissecting Enneagrams were very passionate about us doing it. Yeah, and, and they can't wait to hear what we are. Yeah, and for us to experience it. Now, we'll say, I just did mine mm-hmm. literally minutes ago. I found it very confronting. You did. I heard yeah. you. Jem was sweating. She was making a lot of noises. She cross-checked a lot of her answers with me, which is not the point. You're supposed to just go with your first thought, not overthink it. I do think there are some people who would go through the Enneagram questions answering what they want to be instead of... Okay. There's lots behind that. Before we do that, we need to be not journalists and give a bit of context in case people are like, what the fuck's an Enneagram? Okay. The Enneagram test is a personality test yep. that you can do online. It's $12.00. Gems just told me it's 12 US, so it turns out to be about 16 Australian dollars. Well, I was annoyed when you were like, babe, do the Enneagram test for the potty next week. It's $12, and then it was $16.99. Okay, so it's $16.99. <laughs> you do it <laughs> classic three. <laughs> you do it online. It takes about half an hour if you don't overthink it, which is what I did. It takes about 45 minutes if you gem it. <laughs> and it's 144 questions. Sounds like a lot, but it's like one or the other. It's like a this or that. Can I give an example? Please Because I did screen shot some of these so that people get an idea of the vibe of the question. And we'll put these up on stories to give you a bit of an idea. So here's one of the questions. One option is, I've presented myself to others as tougher than I really am, or I've presented myself to others as caring more than I really do. Now, neither might be bang on about you, but you have to pick the one that's mostly true about yeah. you. So if I was never sure, I was like, well, I'm not that one. So I'll just go with the other one. Well, that's what I was going to say. Sometimes you find confirmation in your answer by saying, well, I'm less of that. Yeah. So So I'll go with the other one. Yeah. Another example of a question is, one, I've probably been too passive and uninvolved. Or two, I've probably been too controlling and manipulative. Now, (laughs) I don't like either of those. Like, I don't like to think of myself as someone who's uninvolved, but I also definitely don't want to think of myself as someone who's too controlling and manipulative. Yes. However, I had to sit with myself and go, but Gem, you're definitely not passive and uninvolved. So you have (laughs) to accept that you are closer to the one about being too controlling and manipulative. So this is why it took me so long, because I felt confronted by some hard truths. Yes. Another thing that I will say as well when you do the Enneagram, which Revs and I highly, highly, highly recommend you do, is I really struggled with deciphering between answering questions based on my relationship and how I am with my husband Mm -hmm. versus, say, how I am with my mum or how I am with Revs. Well, this is what's so fascinating about it, right? So you have to try and think just you as a person generally as a wash, you know, not specifically. Because I guess we sometimes are different people with different people, if that makes sense. And I guess that's how you work out if you're in a good relationship is like, well, I'm most me with this person or this person makes me a better me or whatever. Back on that question about manipulative and controlling, like no one wants to align with this idea of being manipulative. But if you were to ask my husband, he'd be like, oh, you're definitely manipulative and controlling when it comes to us in our relationship. And to be fair, I would say the same back at him because he's definitely not passive and uninvolved. He's very involved. Yeah. But yeah, it's really hard. It's confronting. It is confronting. But the cool thing is when you know your type, you can get your loved one's types and there's a lot of data and intel on how those relationships work and it'll break down conflicts 
pros, cons about combinations of types, which is maybe just a narcissistic exercise and we all enjoy that, especially in lockdown. But also when you get into a tough spot with someone, I feel like it could be helpful tools. So something else I want to give context to as well is that the results are numbered from one to nine. one to nine types of Enneagram. And you get scores for each of those numbers. So for example, out of 100, 25 points might be allocated to number two, for example. So you're a strong two, but then 11 points might go to number seven. I guess what I found really interesting about that was I said to Revs, oh, I'm number blah by a country mile. So you scored really highly in one number, which makes you a classic that number. Yeah, which makes me nervous. So I scored really high in two. Yeah. But there's a clear, unfortunate outlier that's like, okay, I'm definitely that one. (laughs) Because when I read it, it's confronting. I'm like, yep, that person sounds like an absolute nightmare, but it's definitely me. But I do like what you were saying before about how you can use this to improve your relationships yeah. with people because you can react in a certain way in a given scenario and go, okay, I'm being a real seven yeah. about this yeah. and that person I know is a two, so we're going to come at this from two completely different yeah. approaches. How can we meet in the middle and understand yeah. each other? I think it just gives you like a bit more compassion, a bit more perspective. And understanding in yourself yes. so that you can pull yourself up on, on your BS. Yeah, totally. And really, none of us want to be predictable and repeat patterns, do we? Because that's really lame and boring. And can we not evolve? And the other thing I was saying to reps as well is as I was answering the 144 questions, <laughs> I felt like I was contradicting myself. Yes. There was a series of questions where I was like, oh, well, I know I'm this type and I know I'm this type. And then another question of a similar vein, mm-hmm. but asked very differently for a different scenario. I would then go, oh, I'm more of that, which contradicts my previous answer. But I think that's why the quiz is so complicated and probably a really good analysis of your personality type because it gives you a myriad of different scenarios. And we as people, we are all very tri-dimensional. Like we contradict ourselves all All the time. time. It's just the human experience. It really is. There is an official Enneagram test. We'll put it in the show notes. Oh yeah. There's lots of free and shit ones out there. When Rebs messaged me, she was like, babe, make sure you do the Enneagram test before we record the potty. And so I googled it and there are some basic bitch wannabe versions yeah 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 make sure you get the paid one we'll add it in our show notes it's from the Enneagram Institute you can actually do a 12 month course if you're a psychologist in the Enneagram like there's so much in it and the test is designed to almost get beyond your psyche so you know you're like oh I feel like it wants me to answer this way well it's it's done by psychologists that it's written in a way that you can't trick the test so it's there's a lot in it I'll just give you the names of the nine we won't go in depth on all nine of them but it's Type one, the reformer. Type two, the helper. Three, the achiever. Four, the individualist. Five, the investigator. Six, the loyalist. Seven, the enthusiast. Eight, the challenger. Nine, the peacemaker. So I'll go first. I scored highly on two, but my front one is seven. The enthusiast. Oh, God, that is you all over. Revs can sell a dream even to herself. <laughs> OG hype girl. The strap line for the enthusiast is the busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Ooh. And then my rising sign was a two, the helper. Oh. Caring, interpersonal, demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. Fascinating. Fascinating. So quite different, the seven and two. So I find that complex. Gem. Yep, so (laughs) I'm embarrassed. So the one that I scored highest on by a country country mile. mile. So that makes you a classic. Type three. The Achiever. (laughs) 
the success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious. Oh, it so hurts. Here's the thing I've learned about the Enneagram, because now I'm obsessed with it and I'm asking everyone I know in my life to do it, and I'm asking them for their reactions. Everyone reads the description of their winning one and thinks, that person sounds insufferable. It's like your shadow self coming out and being like, gross, you project all your insecurities and shame and fears and things, and you read it and you think, that person sounds horrible, who would ever love them? Goodbye, world. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very confronting. Look, I had that moment Yes, where I was like, gross, I would hate to be friends with me. Yeah, I know. I had that about the seven. Which is so funny because the enthusiast, I love your enthusiastic energy. Yeah. Let's read about the okay. enthusiast a bit more. Let's let's deep dive right. into your number one personality. So type. the cool thing when you do this test is you get this little report, and basically we won't go, we won't do all of it because you know snooze. But it basically tells you what a healthy seven is, and then what an unhealthy seven is. It tells you your fear, desire, and then how you cope with stress, how you are in relationships, that kind of thing. So sevens are extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous. Playful, high-spirited, and practical, they can also misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. Very true about me. very you. They constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness. (laughs) At their best. Let's focus on the positives. (laughs) They focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. I love that. So I'm aiming for that. Basic fear of a seven, being deprived and in pain. Ooh. Very true. Yep. Basic desire to be satisfied and content and to have their needs fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I feel strongly that so much of this type seven feeds into body image and eating stuff. Oh, in what way? Well, sevens are pleasure seekers hedonists. Yep. They want to feel all the time. They're yep. always seeking highs. Yep. So food can do that, right? 100%. But that's like the unhealthy end where it's like you're never satisfied, always wanting something new, always seeking, always looking, impatient, want it now, like also shopping. In the unhealthy sevens, there's a like, I want it and I want it now and I want it yesterday and I want something else, but then they're never satisfied when Ooh, you get okay. what you want. Grass yeah. is always greener. Yes. So you get this like levels of healthy and then levels of unhealthy. A seven at their absolute peak can assimilate experiences in depth, making them deeply grateful and appreciative for what they have. A really healthy seven will seek big experiences and big feelings, but also feel really content in them. Okay. Yeah, that's you. So always seeking something better and big love, big excitement, big challenge, all that kind of thing. But then when you get there, actually going, yes, this is great. Instead of like, next thing. Which is classic Classic. An unhealthy seven is desperate to quell their anxiety and stop their impulsive and being infantile. But they don't know when to stop. So they have addictions and excess, and that takes its toll. They can become debauched, depraved, dissipated, escapist, offensive, and abusive. So that's the, like, bad side of a seven. But how good to know those are traits when you're at your worst. Yeah. To recognize it, call yourself out on your own BS and habitual behavior. Yeah. 
and pull yourself out of it. I just think it's really healthy to be into this kind of stuff. And then I won't read them all, but basically it gives you all these levels. If you're healthy, but you're starting to slip, here are some signs that a seven oh, is starting I love to that slip. It tells you that. Such as getting into conspicuous consumption and all forms of excess, becoming self-centered, materialistic, and greedy, never feeling like they have enough, becoming demanding and pushy, being unsatisfied and jaded, any addictive tendencies, becoming hardened or insensitive. It's like your shopping addiction at yeah. the moment. Totally. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so telling. <laughs> There's lots and lots more in here too, but that's just an outline. But it just gives you like some little mm. things like, mm, that's a seven. That's a seven move. Looks like you're sliding to the unhealthy side. <laughs> and then it gives you sevens in relationships. Ooh. Man, no. But when it says relationships, I just feel like there's so much nuance to different types of relationships we have in our lives. So what is it referring to? It just means in relating to other people. Okay. doesn't necessarily mean romantic relationship, but just any kind of intimate relationship. So like we are in a relationship or with your mum or with your partner. Well, I'll tell you if this is accurate or not then. Okay. Relationship issues. Sevens are often sought out as companions because of their energy, openness to experience and high spirits. Hungy P. They are like a breath of fresh air to more withdrawn or subdued types and can generally be relied on to be stimulating, engaging, and fun. That's you all over, babe. Excellent. Sevens can also be generous with themselves and their resources. They feel that the good times are best enjoying them with others, and they want to have someone to share their adventures and discoveries with. Very true. But the high energy approach that draws people to sevens can also exhaust their partners. Other relationship problems include becoming so involved with expressing their thoughts and ideas that they don't really listen to others. Becoming, this is the worst, becoming impatient or critical of others' slower pace. Oh my God, I know, I know. That was the one where I was like, fuck, (laughs) that's me. No one could ever move fast enough for me. Dear listeners, one of the biggest ways that I describe Revs is she moves at 10 million miles an hour. (laughs) I like to think I'm someone who likes to get the ball rolling on things and get on with shit. Even I can't keep up with her. Like I am in the wake of her dust, just eating shit in the back, trying to keep up with her. I do move fast. You do. Expecting the partner to provide gratification, entertainment or support immediately on demand. (laughs) Being unwilling or very slow to make commitments. That's not really me. Maybe it should be. (laughs) Maybe I should should take my time. You're one to really throw yourself into things. Yeah. Whether it's new relationships or friendships or new stage of life. You kind of take it by the reins with gusto and you're like, all right, let's do this. I'm surprised that's in there. But maybe it is a little Mm, message telling you to slow down and maybe have a little more consideration about your life choices. (laughs) The passion that drives sevens is gluttony. So sevens enjoy life when they feel stimulated, awake, and refreshed by life's amazing diversity. But to the extent that they are harboring unacknowledged feelings of inner emptiness or loneliness. So sevens become anxious and can get into the habit of seeking constant stimulation as a way of distracting themselves from their anxiety. They're like starving refugees released at a banquet. They gobble up every experience that is offered to them, often without discriminating the experiences that would be most satisfying. Mm. Interesting, huh? Telling. Telling. At their best, healthy sevens can harness their enormous enthusiasm and curiosity and still stay focused and deeply engaged with tasks until they are brought to completion. (laughs) Can't wait for that to come back. I won't go on and on because there's a lot in here. Like you get a lot of intel about yourself. But that's that's generally me. (laughs) It really is. It's basically like you're a scattered bitch with 10 million ideas, but can you finish one? (laughs) 
Ah, anyway. All right, can we move on to me now? (laughs) What's a three? Dear seven, am I allowed to get a word? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm talkative. (laughs) Because I just did the test before we started recording the potty, um, I haven't read the in-depth So here we go, real time. Real time revelations about myself. I'm breaking out in hives as we speak. I'm getting hot flushes. All right, guys, so I am a deep three. A deep three. The achiever. The success-oriented, efficient type. Adaptive, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. Yep. Generally, threes are effective, competent, adaptable, goal-oriented, ambitious, organized, diplomatic, charming, into performance. I mean, she sounds amazing. (laughs) And image-conscious. Threes get into conflicts by being expedient, excessively driven, competitive, appropriate instead of sincere, boastful, and grandiose. Grandiose? (laughs) Do you know what? You do get grandiose. Do I? Mm. In what way? Just in your thoughts sometimes. Sometimes you'll make a point 17 times when you've made it the first time. Oh my God, my husband would agree. (laughs) We had an argument about this just this morning. It's like, Gem, you've made your point. Yeah, he literally made. Verbatim, he said, you've made your point. Are you going to keep going? You're like, yes, I have seven more ways I can say this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, this is so exposing. Grandiose is a very romantic word for that though. (laughs) It's generous. All right, at their best... Threes are inner-directed, authentic, modest, admirable, well-adjusted, gracious, interested in others, and self-accepting. I would say all that about you. Gosh, I'm exhausted. At their worst. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so their hidden side, which I guess is the deep, dark secrets of the shadow self of a three. Beneath the surface, threes have deep anxieties about their personal value. Mm. They feel that unless they maintain a certain position in life, they will be devalued, rejected, and tossed aside as worthless. Thus, they feel a constant inner pressure to have it all together. That's your Rebs' face. It's like I want to give you a cuddle, but it's so bang on. (laughs) Rebs will attest to this. I'm the kind of person who holds it together, holds it together, holds it together. Until I can hold it no longer and I explode like a volcano and then lava myself to death. (laughs) What was it about grandiose? (laughs) (laughs) And above all, threes constantly perform at maximum efficiency. Unless you knew a three very well, you would never suspect the degree of emotional vulnerability Mm. and insecurity that Mm -hmm. they conceal beneath their smooth, efficient exterior. Han GP. I wonder if your mum's a three. I'd be fascinated yeah. to know what she is. Mum, if you're listening to the potty, go do the Enneagram. I'll send you the link. <laughs> the fact is that despite three's apparent social ease, there is great loneliness and a belief that they must not need help or support. Would you agree with mm-hmm. that? I'm not very good at asking for help. So. No, you're not an easy person to help. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the relationship issues. Yeah, because this is fascinating. And I'm interested. It's, like, it's great how you feel when you sit by yourself, but tell me how I can love you best. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved hearing your relationship issues because I was like, yep, tick, yep, tick, <laughs> yep, tick. So I'm interested to see if you have the same response. Threes often report that they feel confident in their ability to attract other people. They are usually charming and magnetic yep. and they know how to behave appropriately. Yes. Also, many threes spend significant time and resources cultivating their personal presentation. <laughs> they work at being in good physical condition. Well. <laughs> and are often well-groomed. In the before times you were. <laughs> in the before parent life I was. That's gone down the toilet. 
They want their partner to be proud of them and their accomplishments. Oh my God, that's so true. So they often are drawn to people who they believe will appreciate them. (laughs) Significant relationship issues include the following. Oh God, the first one. (laughs) What is it? Holding the partner to strict standards that the partner does not hold-heartedly share. I mean, I can attest to this. (laughs) You hold us all to very high standards. I just feel like I want people to be the best version of themselves, and when they're not, I tell them about it. (laughs) It's really good that I'm detail-oriented then. We're a match made in heaven. Oh, dear listeners, there's been so much going on in Revs's present life that has really brought <laughs> brought out these versions of ourselves. Do you hold your hubs to incredibly high standards? I would say that I tried to at the start of our relationship. <laughs> you shut that shit down. And now I'm over it and I've found acceptance. Wait, we've been in a relationship for over 20 years. I know, but you've just gone through a gigantic life change. Why can't you stop holding me to high standards? <laughs> 20 years does that mean nothing to you Rebs, I've give been, up look i've been through a learning process with you the last few months where i was trying to hold you to a certain level of standards and now i've found acceptance and deeper understanding of where you're at okay i'm going through a process of learning i enjoy that i like that i'm learning how to be a good best friend through you experiencing separation and it's been a real it's been a journey it's been a journey Okay, presenting a favourable image that they later fear they will not be able to live up to. Oh, my God. I say nothing. (laughs) Your silence speaks volumes. Do you know, I often think about this in the context of online dating apps. I've been thinking about online dating apps a lot for Revs lately. But anyway, I had a moment where I was like, thank God that I managed to find my partner through childhood connections rather than having to meet a complete stranger through a dating app. But I often think the pressure of how you present yourself because like look at tinder it's swiping left or right based on an image yeah and then you turn up to a date what if you merely disappoint well i would why because i'm hella photogenic (laughs) you are one of the most photogenic people i know i'm happy to own it i am i look better in photos than irl (laughs) if you saw me on the street you'd be like i think that might be kate revs from instagram's sister similarities but she's definitely not as pretty (laughs) so if i was in the apps i think i'd get some swipes some likes some whatever some slide ins and then what and then i'd turn up and they'd be like oh okay you're like the poor man version of the tinder kate revs yeah and then i'd have to whip out all my number seven sparkle (laughs) (laughs) and try and build up that personality you are beautiful in real life thanks you really are (laughs) said like a true three (laughs) hey i will agree you are one of the most photogenic people i know imagine if people are hearing this and being like oh damn (laughs) if that's so photogenic (laughs) what does she look like in real life hot garbage Uh, Rex, you do not disappoint IRL, okay? Because you're very good with the makeups. You're very good with the styling. I have applied beauty. You're very good at applied beauty. Just don't come over when I've just woken up, okay? (laughs) Give me me an hour to pull my shit together. Get the right filter, the right angle, the right lighting. Then we can chat. (laughs) All right. Where were we? (laughs) Oh, relationship issues. So this is still between us. So threes often don't speak up when they need help or support. Mm. Then resent the partner for not supporting them. Yeah. So you want your partner to read your mind? Basically, yes. 
God, Hubs would just be like... Just email this to him immediately. <laughs> it's like, this explains true. being married to me. <laughs> oh, God, I'd love to know what he is. Yeah, you've got to get him to do it. Yeah. Workaholism mm-hmm. is a way of avoiding intimacy. Well, is that the other shoe dropping? <laughs> Jesus. Preemptively leaving relationships out of fear or rejection or having serial relationships, in inverted commas, conquests. As a way of bolstering their self-image. That is heckers. It's revealing. I mean, I am a serial monogamist. I know this about myself. I love being in a relationship. I feel like my life is all the richer, having someone to care for and to be in a partnership. But then I'm weirdly headstrong about not needing anyone, like Mm. about my independence within a relationship. But then I am oddly codependent as well. And also that thing about preemptively leaving or whatever. You've never really done that because you've mostly left people. (laughs) Not really been left. But... That's not true. Mostly? Mostly. I've not had many partners because I'm a serial monogamist. I know, but mostly you've been the lever. I've had three significant relationships. Just three? Yeah. But do you remember when you were in a relationship and you didn't think it was going to end in marriage. So you did that thing where you're like, you know what? I don't want to be married. I want to be like Liev Shriver and Naomi Watts, where you're just in a committed relationship. You have children, all the things, but you don't need that piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. But I think that's that trait of preemptively leaving to protect yourself. But I think the deep seated issue in that wasn't that I was preemptively leaving. It was that I was preemptively self-preserving. That's what I mean. It's the same. I think it's the same thing. Do you reckon? Yeah, because you were protecting yourself. I was definitely protecting myself, but I also didn't want to leave that relationship. I thought, no, I'll adjust my values to fit with this person. Molded myself like Play-Doh to kind of fit into more his value system just to save myself from disappointment. Yeah. Ooh, this potty's getting heavy. <laughs> so there is actually on this website, you can click your type and then how you relate to another type. So here I've got how sevens and threes, that's us. Oh, yes. Let's look at this. I'm so, so intrigued. What each type brings to the relationship. I'm very fascinated to hear this because this directly relates to our friendship. Yes. So this is a highly complimentary pair. Oh. it. Both types are self-assertive, have high energy, and are outgoing and capable of being around people with relative ease. True. Both types bring optimism, a future orientation, and a sense of possibility and renewal to their relationships and to enterprises that they become involved with. Hanji P. Threes can work alone more easily than sevens. Oh, that's surprising because I don't work well autonomously no, at all. But just maybe just better than me, which means <laughs> I'm fucked. Although both are stimulated by interacting with people and both can be excellent communicators of their ideas and values. Both are persuasive and articulate, often lively and attractive. Oh God, we sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Making them sought after company. Both have a youthful orientation that they feed off each other's energy. Yes, Definitely. we do. No other couple is as vivacious or gregarious as a 3-7 couple. <laughs> ah, hence the birth of a podcast. Where's the butt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Threes bring sensitivity to people and how to communicate with them, a sense of propriety, appropriateness, and social convention, as well as the ability to focus on goals and get them accomplished. That's you, baby. Sevens bring a sense of fun and adventure, resilience, and not being overly concerned with failure. 
very true. Oh my God, that is so true. Because dear listeners, I've overthought this podcast sometimes <laughs> and Rebs has reined me back in and she's like, babe, don't worry about what people are going to think if we put out our stance on vaccinations because yeah. I've been scared about the vitriol that we might receive. And Rebs is like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need those guys anyway. <laughs> Sevens bring breadth of knowledge and experience, boundless enthusiasm and good spirits. Threes bring focus on goals, staying practical and ground. I am shook. Same. This is so, like, are we just an algorithm in a computer? <laughs> Because this is so bang on. It really is. That I just feel like there's no nuance to me as a person. I'm I'm just in a simulation. I'm just a bit of code that someone made up. This can be a fun, articulate, generous pair, virtually sparkling with vitality and the joy of life. This can sometimes seem to others as almost a magical couple. I thought it was going to say as almost insufferable. As definitely fake. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, potential trouble spots. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Tell us where we're going wrong in our relationship algorithm. Every time we do an AMA, there's often 25 to 30 questions. Have you ever had a fight? Have you ever had a fight? What's What happened? <laughs> Have you guys ever had a real fight? <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> this is also an extremely volatile couple. Oh, God. There's an almost too much electricity under one roof. <laughs> <laughs> a 3-7 pair always looks like a great couple, but... Oh, here's the but! <laughs> here's the but. The big B. This can also mean having to live up to their own hype. <laughs> they can be exhausting to keep up with, and their mutual qualities make it difficult to admit or to look at problems. Um, to our inner circle of friends. They're like, yeah. So sorry if we're exhausting energy. They both feel the pressure to be fabulous and perfect all the time. True. Both types seem lighthearted and unconcerned, yet in their high energy routines, they often hurt each other without realizing it. Oh, oh I love you. I love you too. Is that, is that truth in that? Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Often this results in a backlog of past hurt <laughs> that has been suppressed for decades until it's too late and too much damage has been done. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Rebs, what have you been harboring? Well, what have I been harboring? I just suddenly feel like we're in the Matrix in a simulation <laughs> because this is too Cody. I'm sitting here having an existential crisis. <laughs> Depending on their level of health, threes can become workaholics, completely focused on achieving success, planning just... career moves with the care of a general. Oh, I just have to say, hearing me aligned with the word workaholic mm, triggers me. Yeah. It triggers me. I know why, but do you want to unpack why? <laughs> you can tell the dear listeners why. Well, I love you, Sand, but Jem's dad was a workaholic. Slash is a workaholic. <laughs> My dad is a textbook workaholic. And sorry, dad, if you're listening to the potty. Love you. Love you. But I was always like, he prioritized work above everything else. Mm. And then as I've gotten deeper into my 30s, my mum has described me as a workaholic. My mother-in-law, hubs, like I, I just, I'm fulfilling a prophecy that mm. I didn't want to come true. And I'm mindful of it. And next year, I've actively put things in place to not attempt to add more to my workload, but yeah. actually remove things from my workload and really focus more on my kids. Well, this is the cool thing about this Intel, right? Is that you can go, okay, I see where this could go. Yeah. And I want to change it. And that's something my dad didn't have. Yeah, he didn't like, have the Enneagram test. He did not have the algorithm. <laughs> Back to us. Back to us. By contrast, sevens tend not to take their career as seriously as threes, always feeling that if things do not go well in one job, they can move to something else. Oh my God, Rebs! <laughs> that's 
you all over. On the surface, threes seem to have as much self-confidence as sevens. In reality, they do not. <laughs> oh my God, that's that's true. Threes may be envious of the easy success of the sevens, while sevens may feel that too much fun and enjoyment is being sacrificed for threes' focus on their career. <laughs> <laughs> like, put your work down and come and play with me. Sevens may get the feeling that they only exist to prop up the three in various ways. Wow. Shadow. Neither type wants to talk about their shortcomings, failures, or negative feelings. And so these topics tend to be avoided as long as possible. I don't know about that. I don't agree with that because you and I are very good at owning up to, yeah, we've tried a lot of shit that didn't work out, that we failed on. Totally. And we're okay with it. But we move on quickly. We do. Well, that's a seven trait. Bounce back. Oh, really? Yeah. Not a three trait? Sorry, no. But do you know what? I reckon that my three has learnt from your seven. And vice versa On the well. bounce back trait where yeah. I've been like, look at Rev. She gives everything a crack. And if it doesn't work out, she just moves on yeah. so that people don't even remember the failures. <laughs> There's just so many now that you can't remember them all. <laughs> Once they doubt that the other is there for them, they turn towards self-centered attitudes, which further erode the relationship. A break can come abruptly and be permanent. Well, let's not do that. No, let's not. I think not. we're good. Look, I think we've had intersections in our lives many times over and we still find ourselves back to each other. Exactly. Like I've moved overseas to different cities a bajillion times and it's never broken us nah. or distanced us nah. ever. But how cool to know what Hubs is and then you can work out all that with your husband. I'm itching for him to do it. So cool. I want to do it with everyone in my life. Oh, God. Your poor future dating partner. <laughs> gonna... Hi, I know I'm really pretty on Tinder, but can you just quickly follow this link? It's only $16.99. <laughs> no, the least you can do is pay for their Enneagram test. I'll be broke. Do it. Swipe right, swipe right, swipe right. Here's the link. <laughs> I'll FaceTime you from a good angle with nice lighting once you've done the Enneagram test. <laughs> When you're ready to get on the dating scene, I'm going to live for your stories. Oh, my God. I know we're a while away from that, potentially. However, I'm just looking ahead at greener pastures of so much content. So much content. (laughs) You're going to live through me. Any guy who finds out you have a podcast is going to be like, run, run. Run. It's like you just would never want to date Taylor Swift. Because you just know everything you do is going to end up in a song. In this scenario, am I Tay-Tay? Yeah. Oh, my God. And Billy, by the way, her second album, there's a few lyrics that I'm like, we know who you're talking about. Like, you're not even <laughs> you slightly... You know who she's talking about. Yeah, because I'm a super fan. I know everything <laughs> about her life. It's not awkward at all. Oh, my God. Uh, no, I'll have to make a rule that I don't talk about the apps. That's <laughs> <laughs> if I could. Oh, dear. Open book. So do we have time for what I don't have time for this week? I don't think we do. I don't know. What don't you have time for? This lockdown. Uh, the end. Yeah, the end. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. Let's not. I'm getting jabbed tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I'm jelly. Mine's next Wednesday. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. I just can't wait to join the great vaxxed. Vaxxed to the max. Vaxxed and waxed because I really need a laser top up and I can't get in. I mean, I'm going to have to wax. Oh my gosh, I've got a friend on Instagram who posted vaxed, waxed and full of snacks and then like wrote a little disclaimer saying one of these is not true and I was like, I call bull on waxed. She's like, of course I'm not waxed. (laughs) My pubes are out of control. I mean, I really need a laser top up. Dude, I have 
so much appreciation for anyone who works in the beauty industry oh because now that they have been taken away from us, we are falling apart. We're falling apart. It was all a myth. My edges are fully frayed. It was all an illusion. The grey hairs are problematic. Yeah. My nails need some love. Ugh. What would you do first? If first appointment, what's it going to be? Hair. Hair. Yeah. hair. Yeah. Are we going to box dye my hair? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jade Cotty is someone that I follow on the gram and she talked about how box dye colours always come out darker than you think. Yeah. So, Revzy, we need to find a colour. I'm all over it. We almost need to find my ideal colour and, and then, then go, go up shade two shades. One shade? One shade. Let's not be crazy. Okay, all right. I've never done a box dye, okay? <laughs> Let's go and do it after this. I can't decide if I want my brows, my nails, my laser, my Botox or my hair first. Make a decision. I'm just going to lie on a table and everyone's going to come and do the thing. They're going to descend me. on Revs. <laughs> I'm just going to be asleep like Kim Kardashian and then I'll wake up beautiful. <laughs> you know what? I am really missing my nails. Nails, nails are low is, priority for me. No, but it's the one thing I always have done and I just, oh, I miss it. I miss it. They're not important, I know, but it just makes me feel pulled together. I have a theory on nails. Mm-hmm. They're in your line of sight sure. constantly. Sure. So I feel like when I've got my nails done, it's almost a symbol of me having my shit together. Totally. It's the fake it till you make it mentality. Yeah. When your nails are fucked, you're like, oh, I'm falling apart <laughs> also brows change your whole face so help me do you get your brows professionally done yeah of course i've only ever done it once yeah right well you know is this your way of saying i can tell no but i just feel like anything that you've always done yourself and then you get professionally done you're like i can see clearly now my funk has gone, gone. <laughs> it's just like everything that like the whole world opens up to uh, you i'm so mad at myself for not trying botox sooner This is a really fun loop we go on every week. (laughs) No, I really want to do it. And now that the opportunity's been taken from me, I'm like, well, now I actually want it. The last one I got was so good and it's really lasting. Mm. I'm just hoping it makes it just to the end of lockdown. It's starting to wear off, but she is so good, the last lady I went to. I can't wait to try her. Oh, I gotta find that meme. It was so good. How do we find memes? You know when you've got an idea of what the wording was, but not the full wording? <laughs> I'm laughing because this is a struggle I have so regularly. You know what I mean? It's like that meme. You know the one and then I have to find it and how do you find meme? <laughs> How do you find meme? (laughs) But you know when you have a distant memory of a few of the words in the meme and then you're like, I don't know what the exact clever and witty wording was, but I'll try and piece it together. Do you remember when we were in Tassie and I was like searching in Google, Chris Jenner, kid does flip, wasting time, meme. (laughs) And it took me so long to find it. i got to find this meme. Now I'm writing meme about leaving the house. When you could, but now can't. I feel like this is not going to bear fruit. Nope, nothing's come up. Meme about leaving the house. Can't. When you could, but now you can't. Best meme of all time is the one of the ice skaters. Where the woman is like horizontal and the man's holding her hand. And it says, me to my child. Walk next to me and hold my hand. Child, and that's the image. It's so good. You know what's not entertaining? Vocally describing memes. It really doesn't work for an audio platform. Because <laughs> the joke is... <laughs> you don't have to explain what the joke is. Do your listeners know? They're like, yeah, that was really unfunny, guys. Well done. You can't time the joke. No, it doesn't translate, babe. Just stop. Let's move on from memes, okay? I'm no. being a real three, and that's your role. <laughs> 
I'm getting us back on the schedule. The DLs yep. don't care Big for irritating. us trying to verbally explain the humour of a meme. Hey, you don't always know what the DLs are going to like, okay? <laughs> you thought they were going to abandon us last week and they're coming out in droves. Our podcast has gone through the roof. Dear listeners, when we recorded last week's app, I said to Revs, I think this is the beginning of the end. I think this is it. <laughs> I think we're done. We've cooked it. Guys, Jem literally said to me, well, we've had a good run. <laughs> And it's our most popular episode yet, and it's a whole load of drivel. It's me talking about reciting the alphabet backwards. Not even. But not not even doing it. How you guys got to the end of that potty app, I do not know. Revs edited it, and when I looked at it on Spotify, I was like, babe, it's over 50 minutes. You needed to cut that down to like 40 minutes. (laughs) DLs loved it. I'm shook. The best description of it by one of our DLs was that it's like when you were at a sleepover in year nine and you've eaten so much sugar. And then the high kicks in. And the high kicks in and it's like 11pm and everything is funny. And nonsensical. (laughs) And nonsensical. That's what our last episode was. My mum was so funny. She called me up and she's like, that was a really good episode. Not sustainable long term. (laughs) You couldn't do every ep. I I said to my mum, mum. We couldn't even engineer that episode to happen again if we wanted to. I don't know, babe. We could put you under a blanket for 40 minutes and just see what happens. <laughs> like one of those toys that you soak in water and to reveal its gender or something creepy. What? Do you know those little mermaid is toys? It? No. Oh, it's so creepy. It's like, is it a boy or a girl? Who cares? And who knows when it grows up what it wants to be? But you stick it in a glass of water. It's like, its tail is pink. It's a girl. Really problematic. Oh. Anyway, what I'm saying is we could put you under a blanket or stick you in a glass of water and just see what comes just out. Just see what happens. <laughs> One thing I would love to do is for us to go and do ayahuasca and record a podcast. Oh my god, I would never do ayahuasca. No? No. Oh my god, I'd love to. It terrifies me. Because you have to face things number 3. No, that's not the issue. The issue <laughs> is that I'm not good at letting go of control and part of doing ayahuasca is surrendering to the root/plant concoction that the you medicine, drink. The medicine it's called. Okay, the medicine. <laughs> I'd go on some sort of trip and I'd be like this is not my reality. I don't like this I'm dying get me I'm off dying. this roller coaster make yep. it stop and I'd like pull the emergency exit lever and then of which there is none exactly and I'd be fucked like <laughs> I'd probably walk off a cliff I think I'd have a heart attack you would not. no I genuinely think I have been described as someone who is neuroleptically naive mm-hmm. you did a fuck ton of weed in the early 2000s <laughs> and you came out fine <laughs> Dear listeners, if I have half a Panadol, it has a profound effect on me. (laughs) It's true. If I have a whiff of champagne, I'm drunk. She's a cheap date. I need a bottle and a half to get any kind of buzz these days. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? What? Something that makes sense to my neuroleptical naivety is that I have never experienced deja vu. Yes. Anyone else out there? Because this blows my mind. You've never experienced deja vu. So let me just give a little context Mm -hmm. to the DLs. Throughout my life, I've heard people say the classic, oh my God, I just had deja vu. And then I'm like, what happened? They're like, oh no, I just saw this scenario happening before. Yeah. I've been here before. So then I'm like, like a memory? And people are like, no, 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 it's not a memory because it it's deja vu, you crazy bitch. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And I have spent my life feigning a level of understanding of deja vus, <laughs> but in reality, have no fucking idea what it is to experience or have deja vu. Like, I've never had that chemical glitch in the brain or whatever it is scientifically that makes you think you've lived out this experience before. It feels like you've dreamt it. 
It doesn't feel like you've lived it. But yeah. I've, I have dreams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have dreams, okay? <laughs> I have dreams. But they don't come to me while I'm awake. <laughs> but is that what it's like? Is it a dream that comes? No, because- it'd be like if you're sitting here right now looking at me and suddenly you're like, oh, I've seen this in a dream before. Can't relate. Yeah, wow. Maybe you're a fresh Wait, soul. Wait, so you've seen it in a dream? Yeah. People say it's like it's like you've been here in this moment before, but it's more like you've dreamt it before. Not, not that you, you can't recall a time when you were here, you know? I want to experience deja vu. I think you must so be a bad. fresh soul. Someone told me that before. Oh. Like a medium said, oh, you're a new soul. So it's a whole idea of having this lack of history and experience and past lives, and past lives mm. that because I'm a new soul everything is imprinting from this first experience yeah. of life and that deja vu will be experienced in my next life I remember my first experience of deja vu and I was nine I'm so jealous okay explain yeah. it to me describe it to me <laughs> I was in a I was at a play day at a friend's house I think we'd had a sleepover or something and I was waiting for my mum to pick me up and I was standing near the front door and there was a chair at a window with curtains and I looked over and I was like oh I've seen that image before like I've seen this scene before and then I got in the car I was like this weird thing just happened and mum's like oh that's deja vu so many questions <laughs> number one when you have that moment of deja vu is it like the matrix where your reality suddenly no. like it morphs that it's no. obvious that something's happening no it's just a thought I don't understand I want to understand what do you mean a thought like I can concoct a thought and go oh I'm no, no, sitting in a closet out of your control it comes over you it's a wash over you. You know when you have PMS and you're like suddenly, irrationally pissed off at something? Yes. Where you have no control, it just comes into your head. Yeah. It's that kind of mechanism. <laughs> I'm genuinely frustrated that I can't... I don't... And we can't engineer this for you either. <laughs> I know, but I want to experience deja vu because everyone who gets it when I've been in their company is like, whoa, I just had hectic deja vu. Jem, you know what this means? What? If we were in a movie right now, we'd be working out how to crack the algorithm and get inside this simulation <laughs> and go and work out how to get you deja vu. We'd have to go through the space-time continuum, find whoever's coding our lives. And there's like a red pill and a blue pill. Yes, and it'd be like, oh, that's why Jem's never had deja vu, because she's the one. <laughs> <laughs> and then me, Classic Seven, would get seriously jealous, thinking, what am I, the sidekick in this movie? <laughs> Just propping up this three? <laughs> It'd be like a mixture of like Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Bill and Ted's Whatever Adventure and The Matrix. Someone pitch it to Netflix. Sounds like a terrible movie. (laughs) I won't be funding that. (laughs) Hit me with your nut spun. Is this the jingle now? (laughs) Stop trying to make fetch happen. (laughs) Every week you just go, hit me with your nut spun until it's just going to become the thing that's happened. And we all know it was... Some people think I'm sponsored, but I'm just here for free. It's just not melodic enough for me. Because <laughs> I'm just living my life. There's nothing sponsored about me. It's a bit one notey. It's literally one note. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Something I want to start doing is eating with my children. Because it's always been the kids are fed, bathed, put to bed, and then I get on to grown-up dinner. If this comes across as sarcastic, I don't mean for it to, but one of my life goals is to eat with my children. Yeah, I know. It's a very weird thing, but when you have a toddler who yeah. eats dinner at 5pm... Yeah, and throws it at the walls. I dream of a time where we can gather around the table and break bread together. Okay. okay. 
And you kind of can't imagine it happening, but mostly because I don't want to eat fish fingers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, there's this beautiful new cookbook by David Lovett, and it's called Big and Little, and it's simple Italian food for kids and grown-ups. Oh, cool. It's also really aesthetically beautiful. Like, it, they put basically do the meal and they do a big plate version and then like a little person's oh, plate cute. version and it's just meals that grown-ups and kids can get around and it's just a thought sparker for like okay what can I make that's a good family meal that we would all like to eat so question yes what time do your kids eat dinner and is it too early for you to join in at that meal yeah time? it's it is too early but I'm starting to think can I push them back a little bit mm. and me forward a little bit yeah my kids normally eat between 5 and 5.30. That is aggressively early for early. a grown-up. I would be starving by 8 p.m. But Could you push them to 6.30 dinner? Well, no, because they've got to be in bed by 7. Mm. Anyway, I'll work the timing out. <laughs> it's more the meal. We all like spaghetti bolognese. We all like fried rice, stir fries. But anyway, this cookbook is really cute because it's like ways that you can add chili to the grown-ups one, things like that. So tell the dear listeners once again what the name of the cookbook is and where they can find it. It is called Big and Little by David Lovett. And look, I guess you get it on like Booktopia and stuff. Love it. I'll put it in the show notes. All right, my not spawn. Revs, I reckon you could get behind this one. Is a candle company. Oh, love a candle. Yep, it's called Hunter Candles. Lovely. And they kindly sent me a gift pack. Hang on. This is called Not Sponsored. Is that sponsored? It's not called hashtag gifted. But I really like them. Okay, I'll allow it this once. Okay, (laughs) but they sent it to me as a gifted product with no obligations to share. Yep, good. But I have to share it because I genuinely love them. All right. It's called Hunter Candles, first of all. Aesthetically beautiful. Of course. Earth-toned glass jars. Amazing. They're hand-poured soy candles. I'm going to show Rebs a photo of their branding. Oh, nice. Yeah. Pretty. I've seen them. Now, what I love about them, and this is why I think you will love them especially, most of their candle scents are rooted in that earthiness, muskiness. Mm, Masculine? I wouldn't say masculine, but not the really floral, sweet, fresh smells. I'm all about something that would smell like there's a woody, hairy, sexy man in a cabin in the woods covered in moss with some sandalwood. (laughs) Sounds safe. Sounds real murdery. (laughs) You just painted my nightmare scenario. So we've got lavender, cucumber and sage. That sounds hella fresh. Tobacco and burnt hay. (laughs) Tobacco and burnt hay. Tobacco and burnt hay. I love it. That's murdery. Burnt hay. Not burnt hair. (laughs) Tobacco and burnt hair is very murdery. Okay, here's my favourite one. Oak, moss, and amber. Yeah, beautiful. Then there's also an Aussie one called The Australia. Story checks. And it's blue gum, lemon myrtle, and wattle. Oh, lovely. There's a fig tree scent, yuzu, and smoke. No idea what that is, Mm. but it sounds like a party. Don't want to be picky, but wouldn't there be smoke in all of them? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Miss Literal. Do you call yourself a creative? Okay, I'm done. But Hunter Candles, highly recommend. Check them out. They're a Sydney-based brand. Oh, cool. Small business. Get behind them. Support, support, support. Cannot get enough candles. I literally... Now that I'm like sad single person, all I, do, all I do to bring mood to my life is light a million candles. How can you categorize yourself as sad single person? Well, you know, there's cat ladies and then there's candle people. I think I'm a candle person. My entire living room, kitchen, bedroom, bathroom is just a series of witchy candles. Excuse me, I bought you a very beautiful vase for your birthday. <laughs> 
So glad you loved the vase I got you. Where's the appreciation number seven? <laughs> this number three feels unappreciated. I feel unappreciated for my efforts of buying you a really I bougie love, vase. I love the vase. Sure I you lo- don't. I do. I love it. And it's on my mantle with my hundreds of candles. <laughs> Should we cue the outro? Oh, yes. We're very peppy today. One of these days we'll have an outro to our podcast. Bye. Ciao, ciao.